Welcome to the Visma Ski Classics podcast, Usha Tulevi. Visma Ski Classics is the long-distance ski championships with 35 pro teams. In season 12, there are 14 races in 12 event locations, bringing pro team athletes and recreational skiers together. On this podcast series, we'll analyze the events on the Pro Tour and the Challenger Series, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. ProXC Skiing, a new global digital winter sports community, is available for all cross-country skiers and fans. ProXC Skiing is a digital living room that connects athletes, fans, and brands of the Nordic winter sports world. On the ProXC Skiing platform, you can get news, training articles, product tests, live streaming of events, and much more. ProXC Skiing covers all aspects of traditional cross-country skiing and long-distance skiing. Additionally, as a member of the community, you can also enjoy the perks of three other sites in different languages. The Norwegian site at langren.com, the Swedish site at lang.se, and the Finnish site at mastohito.com. Be part of the winter sports community and join the ProXC skiing family. Hello, everyone listening to Usha Tulevi. We are really getting close to the season and it's starting in Sweden, in Usha, very soon. And uh, on today's episode, I have a really a special guest, a female one, a person who has seven podium places in Visma Ski Classics. And she finished third in the champion competition and she also changed her team for this upcoming season. She's now representing Team Expand Fuel, that is the Turase Yedalen's team. And we are talking about Emilie Fleten. And I am your host. And without further ado, let's get to the business at hand. So, Emilie, uh, you out there somewhere in Norway, I guess. Uh, how's your life? How's your day today right now? Thank you for being in your podcast, uh, first of all. And um, my day is uh, good. It's quite cold in Tirolnam, where I live now. Uh, so I am enjoying the winter and, yeah, getting ready for a new season coming up very soon. So, yeah, starting to get nervous, exciting. Yeah, so I'm good. Yeah, of course, you have to be a little bit excited and nervous about mm-hmm. the new season. But Trondheim, before we uh, start talking about the season itself and your past seasons, um, you guys have snow there right now and all the tracks are open, I assume. Yeah, we actually have snow. So that's really good. We didn't have snow before before the new year last year. So snow in Trondheim in December is, is rare, but it's uh, really good. So can do a lot of good training now so so what kind of a place is Trondheim to live in <laughs> depends when you when you ask if you have if you did have asked me one month ago I would say really rubbish place to live it was only raining in zero degrees so then I wasn't loving life living living here but uh, yeah I moved here here because of Love, I guess, moved here because Andrew lived here. Uh, so, but life in Trondheim is good. It's a lot of good skiers living here. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good good life for a skier to live here, except from the weather, <laughs> though. <laughs> uh, what about the summertime? I think it's a beautiful place in the summertime, I guess. It can be, and it also can be not very good, so... But I must admit that I'm not 
so much here in summertime. Then I go south and uh, try to get some more warm weather. weather. And of course, for the audience out there, uh, Andrew, you uh, talking about Andrew Musgrave, uh, and the good, great skier who has also done quite a lot of our uh, races as well, but he's a World Cup skier and has performed really well uh, in the uh, United World Championships and aiming to do well at the Olympics. But uh, we'll talk about you and him a little bit later on. But I think next, uh, let's talk about uh, last season, Visma Ski Classics and skiing in general, since you've been part of Ski Visma Ski Classics for two full seasons now. You did a couple of big events before. So that'll be next uh, in, in our agenda. Last season, you finished third, and uh, you represented uh, Team Kuteng. Uh, how, um, I mean, how happy or how satisfied? I know that you probably wished or expected or hoped to be maybe even higher up, but of course the competition's really tough there. But now, kind of looking back, how satisfied are you with the result and the overall season? Uh, looking back, I'm actually really satisfied uh, because I... It was only my second season in Wisma Ski Classics. And of course, I really wanted a victory uh, last season. And I think in Årefjellsloppe, the last race, I was really close and felt really good. But uh, looking back, I think either I wasn't strong enough or or I wasn't like smart enough. And I, I think I learned a lot of about myself and how to uh, how to race last season so looking back I am really satisfied of course I really wanted a victory but I think I I did my best every race I and of course I could have done something different and maybe I would be able to have done it even better but no I'm looking back um I'm satisfied and I think I did my best in every single race and learned a lot and got really motivated for the next season. So, yeah, really satisfied. <laughs> yes, uh, it sounds like you are. I mean, but the th- you keep saying that you learned a lot. Can you maybe identify or point out a couple things, like key things that you learned that could take you all the way up to the, you know, the, the highest spot you know <laughs> yeah i think i learned a lot about like being confident i in the start of the season i felt confident but i don't know maybe i didn't like trust myself that i would be like strong enough to uh, push really hard when i could have and i learned like when to stay in front of the group and when not to um yeah uh, then I'm not going to be able to sprint down Lina, for example. Uh, so maybe I have to do something different. Uh, yeah, things like that. Um, I learned a lot about myself and how to use my strength through the race. Uh, and of course, many of the races I haven't, I haven't just done them once or twice. Like I. It was only the second time I raced Marshallonga last year. So um, I think, yeah, I learned a lot and learned a lot about the races 
Um, so yeah, a lot of. Yeah, in the light in the light of that, let's talk about the actual races because when you look at your season, starting from that really cold race La Diagonella, race La Diagonella in Switzerland, you were you were third. Then right after that, Topla Cortina again third. Then Machalonga second. Jiseska Baresatka fifth, and Vasalopet sixth. Those two probably not exactly as you hoped for. Then again, Volodas in it and Tosos and Criterium and ORFS Lopet, all of those, you were second. So podium almost every time, except Devasa Lopet and Iseska Paresatka. But if you go them individually a little bit, so La Diagonella, what do you want to say about that race? Mm -hmm. uh, the season started. Of course, Jenny Larson's amazing breakaway uh, uh, and a very cold race. We all, <laughs> all remember that. That was really so. cold. But I actually had a lot of clothes on me, so I wasn't that cold. So... I didn't struggle after at all after that race, uh, but of course it was cold and Holder Ramen team was really strong that day. Um, and um, first Ida got away and then Jenny. Uh, so I was skiing with Ida and Lina uh, all of the race, but I felt really strong and I was really happy to be third. I was the like the first race of the season and I did not know how to what to expect uh i felt good but i felt but i also felt like the ramadan girls were stronger that day so i was happy about the race and in toblock i wasn't that happy because i uh, managed to fall over after about 10k when lena got away and then i was yeah skiing 40 seconds behind trying to catch her up and wasn't strong enough and was a little bit irritated that I uh, that I uh, fell over, um, so it kind of ruined my chance to, yeah, to go for Victor uh, and Marshalonga. I was that right. I was really satisfied with that that race. I came into the last hill trying to push really hard, but I also felt that Lena was a little bit stronger than me, and she had the last kick and. Uh, yeah, were able to sprint me down before we got to the finish line. So, um, yeah, and um, Isaiska, uh, probably the the race I was most disappointed at because, uh, to be honest, I had the best skis that day and felt like I never got the chance to really fight in that race. Uh, so yeah, that was because I love that race actually, and I was Yusuke was the first race I got my first podium in my first season. So I think that is a really cool um, course. So yeah, I love that race. Um, and Vasaloppe, I think Vasaloppe was a little bit uh, odd because I I had felt so good the week before and my session before. Vasaloppe was really good and I was yeah looking forward to race that day but I didn't have my best day and yeah when it when we raced about 60k I was just tired and <laughs> had to yeah was not able to go with the best girl so um it was kind of disappointing man but also, I I was not better that day. 
and did not have the best day ever. Uh, and the three last races in the Wallardalen, I felt good. Um, it was really cool races, and I think the course there fits me really well with all the up and downhills. So I think it was really cool to race there, and uh, especially Orefjellsloppe. That is, yeah, really cool race, and uh, I was <laughs> really hopeful there when um, um, Oscar Cardin uh, did catch us up and. Uh, yeah, I saw that uh, some of the girls were getting tired, and yeah, was hoping that <laughs> it will go, it would go all the way in. But yeah, we were catched up by the rest of the guys, so yeah, we're sprinted down <laughs> once again. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a tough, tough race. I mean, uh, you guys, your time was five hours and 15 yeah. minutes and 13 seconds. Yeah. I mean, almost six hours, you know, yeah. on a course. And, and you did so well. I mean, you were second. Uh, which kind of brings me to, to my question. You talked about Basel a bit earlier. It was sixth there. And looking at your previous result, you were ninth. Yeah. So for some reason, Vassal has been a bit of a mystery. It can't be the, the distance because you've done so well, you know, mm -hmm. at Orefes Lopet, which is even longer than Vassal uh, yeah. So these two Barcelopets, is it just a, that you didn't just didn't have a good day, or there's something about Barcelopet that it just doesn't I've tried to fit look, you that well? Yeah, I've tried to look. It might be just uh, that Barcelopet doesn't fit me at all. But also, I think we have a gap between um, is it Yisarska and Barcelopet who has some weeks off. Uh, and I'm looking back, I think I might have been training a little bit too hard um because i was in really good shape after you said scott and i had some really good sessions so maybe i was just pushing it too hard and then coming into vasalop but maybe a little bit too tired um than i should have been so might be an answer but but also i think courses that mm, it's more like up and down and fits me more. So it might just be the Vassal of that, um, yeah, need to, I will try next year. <laughs> so it kind of, it kind of sounds to me that you shouldn't have a break there. Yeah. I mean, you should just have races back to back yeah. so you don't have time to train too much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think that is one of my strengths that I uh, can race um, week after week and, actually feel better and better so uh yeah maybe i should just uh do my own race in between there <laughs> yeah, some people do i mean yeah. you're not the only one that kind of you know that like that type of you know that you constantly keep yourself you know uh busy and, and you have you kind of a rhythm uh, when you do mm -hmm. a race and you recover and then when you suddenly have a two-week or three-week break, you have to completely reschedule and, and, and reprogram yourself uh, for it and kind of think about the trainings. And it might happen as it, you know, that, uh, as you just said, you know, that you tend to train a little bit too much, you know, again, <laughs> when you have too much time <laughs> on your hands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but and, and also the, what's interesting is that since you've been part of Isma Ski Classic for two years, uh, you've missed some of the great races. Of course, you've done Birkebanner in it in the past, you know, 17 and 18. Mm -hmm. uh, but you haven't done Reistelöpe 
and uh, Les Levy, of course, the and many other races because they were cancelled. Mm. So, uh, but kind of looking back, which which ones are your favorites now, based on uh, your, your two year, two year experience, the races themselves. I think maybe Isa's guys. I I love that race, uh, but also Orifelsloppe. I love that we just did one like, or the start and the and the finish are quite uh, are the same, but we are doing like one big loop. Um, I think that is really cool, and of course, I felt really good that day. Uh, to be honest, I think the hundred k or in Orvis Lopez may be the race I have been least tired. <laughs> I was never thinking that. Oh my god, this is so long, or oh wow, I'm so tired. Uh, so maybe I just had a really good experience from that race, but um, I think. Yeah, you size guy or Lope, I guess. And then what about the the, the classic ones? You know, like the Barcelona, the Marcelo, or even Birken. You done Birken oh. in terms of the atmosphere. A lot of people pick these races, and Marcelonga tends to be the everyone's favorite uh, to the fact that you know the you know the atmosphere and the, all those villages that you ski through. Uh, yeah, uh, I know. What do you? Um, I think <laughs> maybe because. Uh, well, I said I was training with Lina uh, in October in Volodal, and uh, I said to her that um, uh, when I have done the Vasaloppe both times, that is maybe the two times in my life that I have experienced much uh, so much pain. Uh, so I, I don't know, uh, and Marshalonga, I, it's a really cool race, but. Also, yeah, it's I don't know. Uh, you don't see much. You just go through a, a valley, and yeah, I don't know. I just like Isarska better. Better. <laughs> yeah, it's a very fast-paced course as well because it's mainly downhill. I have to kind of say all the yeah. way to, the, of course, the last final final climb. So it's uh, you know, but you're right. I mean, the atmosphere is great there, and it has. Mm-hmm. Has been uh, uh, elected as a, as, a, as a favorite race of, for so many times, or the you know the the number one race. But um, when you think about your two, your two years, you, as I said, you've been part of this for two years now. Um, when you entered, how I mean, how much did you know about Wismar Ski Classics or long distance skiing, or what was your sort of a preconceived? Uh, image or idea about this and has it changed after you've been part of this uh yeah i think i uh started the season knowing nothing i was like knowing nothing expect expecting nothing so the first year uh in this ski classic i just went with the flow <laughs> did one race at the time and uh yeah uh and last year um I knew, of course, much uh, what I was uh, expecting. So, uh, but the thing is, I just love Wismar Ski Classics. And I did not expect that I was um, was going to do that. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought, to be honest, I thought I would miss traditional skiing much more than than I do. So, uh, uh, yeah, 
Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> but uh, what, what do you, what do you love? What's so good about this? What are the things, elements, or you know, the aspects that you love so much about? I think the whole and... atmosphere and the people and the races and the places we are, and yeah, I think it's, it's just a whole atmosphere. I think uh, you know, in traditional skiing, where I always trying to qualify to. Yeah, doing the World Cups and it's yeah a much more nervous atmosphere I think um, in Visma Ski Classics everyone's everyone knows uh, what races they will do and yeah a kind of more relaxed atmosphere but um, or relaxed it's not <laughs> relaxed but it's not that that same nervous atmosphere that you find in, for example, Norwegian Cup. Uh, yeah, if you understand. Yes, I do. I mean, because you're not the only one saying this, that the, the good thing about this is that you always know your races mm. and you know how to you know, prepare for them uh, uh, compared to the, uh, you know, as you said, to those kind of qualifying races where you constantly... Uh, on the verge of, you know, uh, the breaking it through or not, or, you know, disqualifying for certain races. So I guess it creates a different type of atmosphere, of course. But how did this transition happen? Because as you said, you were doing traditional skiing before joining uh, the Visma Ski Classics family. How and when and who persuaded you to, you know, hop, hop over the fence? <laughs> yeah, it was two and a half years ago in, yeah, in 2000 and. Well, when did I start? I 2019. Yeah, uh, I just finished maybe my best season as not as a traditional skier. Uh, but then I got a call from Jürgen Eiplan in Team Ragda, and he asked me if I would consider um, switching to uh, doing long distance skiing uh, with the team Ragda. Uh, First, I thought, nah, I don't think so. I had my best season, and I think I just will continue to, yeah, see if I can uh, become any better. Uh, but also, I it was something about because I like long, like long races, and I think double polling is like it's really cool to see how strong you can be and so um but then i talked to tea after because she also had got a phone from jorgen and together we just uh, we kind of decided uh, that we will that we would go for it and uh, try it out and then you mentioned double polling weren't you a bit concerned and nervous about it because of course in a traditional skiing and doing World Cup and Scandinavian Cups you don't you do a lot of double polling of course it's an important part mm -hmm. of classic skiing but it's not as extensive as it is for you know uh, in, in, in long distance skiing did you feel a little bit hesitant there or maybe nervous about it um, not so nervous because I think um, I've always been not good at double polling, but not bad. I'm better at double polling than diagonal. So I think, or striding. So I think my double polling has always been like, okay, I'm quite good. Or in uphill, I am 
quite good at double pulling and has always been. So, yeah, that, um, in that in mind, I thought that this might be good for me to <laughs> switch to, but I didn't know. But, uh, yeah. So training-wise, did it surprise you uh, that you, when you jumped in, you know, that you, you needed to do so much double pulling or it, did it just come kind of naturally um, for you? I've tried to not like fully gone from like double pull a little bit to just double pull. So um, I tried to avoid, uh, avoid uh, uh, injuries and uh, things like that so um i i don't just double pull in my training and i did not do that the first year but i think that is really cool because i think i can still um trying to uh yeah be any be better at double pulling by just double pull more because i haven't reached my, I don't know how to say it, my potential. potential in my training work because I still hold a little bit back because I want to, yeah, not get injured. And I think that is the way to go for me. Um, trying to, yeah, do a little bit double pulling, more double pulling for each year. And hopefully that will. Uh, make me stronger uh, in the future. And we'll talk about the training a little bit later on. But also what's interesting about you is that you've represented uh, three different teams. <laughs> yeah. uh, you mentioned Rakte, Rakte Ayendom back then, now a team Rakte Charge, uh, then Team Kuteng, and now Yedalen's gang, you know, Team Expand Fuel. Mm -hmm. uh, you've seen different teams in mm -hmm. a, a, a all Norwegian, though. Um, what do you want to say about them? And let's start with the Rakte first and uh, the Auckland brothers. Everybody uh, knows them, of course. They are, you know, legends, both of them. Uh, and their team's always been a constant force, mm -hmm. a powerhouse. Uh, but let's start from there. Yeah, team it's Rakte. a really strong team. And I love being on that team. Um, but after the season, I, uh, I knew that uh, Thea might switch team because she wanted to stay on a team that um, had a base in Lillehammer uh, and I live in Trondheim so it was kind of naturally for me natural for me to consider going for a team that um, are staying here in Trondheim and Ostre um, actually lives about I don't know 300 meters from my house so we are doing a lot of training together uh, when we were both here um, uh, and I thought that it would be like really cool, cool to race uh, in a team that has a lot of strong girls um, and to be fair uh, Ragde is a really strong team but on the men's side um, they haven't built up like this strong uh, team on the women's side so yeah, uh, that was my th thoughts when I contacted uh, Tore Björsson Bärdal, uh, and um, yeah, so that was my reason to switch team last year. Uh, and but this year I wasn't plan I didn't plan to switch team, but 
then Kuteng's future was a little bit unsure if they're gonna continue as a team. So I was kind of like, uh, I just started to consider other teams because I didn't know the future of uh, Kuteng. Um, and uh, when both me and Stian had decided to switch team, um, it was then uh, Martin Sundby and Niklas um, Diraug uh, came with the offer to Kuteng. So that was a little bit too late for me when I already had signed with a new team. So yeah, that was the reason why I switched team this year as well. How did you find them? Did uh, Yedalen contact you or you contacted them or how did you find this match? I um, I, I contacted Tord because we were at the same team uh, when I stayed at uh, Ragida. So I knew Tord um, before. Um, natural for me to talk to him. And the team wanted to expand and take in some more girls. And it, I think that was natural for them to yeah, try to find uh, one girl that has already had good results from the ski classic and yeah, build it from there. So, so you haven't raced for them yet, uh, but you, of course, you've spent time with them and training camps and stuff. So when you compared that team, it's a smaller team. Uh, of course, you and, and Aturas, they are both, you know, one of the best, you know, the best skiers of, of, of the circuit. But compared to the team Kuteng mm-hmm. and Rakte, those are big teams and you're jumping from the big team to a smaller one or have have you even noticed any any difference does it just feel the same no of course it's a huge different a difference uh first of all we haven't done that many training camps um this year uh last year we had a lot of training camps here in Trondheim so yeah i was seeing my teammates um much more when i last year at Kuteng and also uh, when I was um, in Ragida. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's a huge difference. Uh, but it's also kind of exciting to, yeah, try to be on a smaller team and um, it's kind of boring if everyone's just going to be on the strongest team. And I think it's really good for the sport that we have more teams in, in the circus and um, yeah I am really motivated to try to build together with Todd try to do this team as good as we can and build it up to become something more than a small team so but you have to start somewhere you can't yeah so it will be exciting to see and of course, you know, just by looking at, you know, Tor Toras, I mean, he won Basel a bit. So it is possible. It's possible to do well in a smaller team as well. Uh, and uh, but um, that in mind, uh, moving moving towards the uh, this upcoming season, which is starting very soon in Usha. What are kind of now your realistic expectations? Of course, you are chasing after that victory. You've been on a podium seven times already. So, you know what it means to be up there. Uh, but... What else? What are you hoping to achieve come winter 2020? I'm aiming for the yellow bib. Um, that is my main goal this season. Uh, and of course, if you're going to win that, 
uh, you have to win <laughs> some of the big races. Uh, so yeah, easy. That is my that is my goal. It's gonna be really tough, but uh, I think it's that gives me motivation to aim for something big. Do you have any particular race, or just you know you want to do well in every race? Or is one of the races, maybe if I sell up it now, because you haven't really done that well in that <laughs> particular race, or are they all kind of the same to you? I don't, uh, my, I think my my thoughts is that I'm going to do Wisma Ski Classics for some years. So hopefully I will be able to win <laughs> all the big races. Um, so it doesn't matter if I win like, Marsalonga uh, next season and Vasaloppa the next season after and I don't have like I'm gonna win that race or that race um uh, my goal is to race fast in every race I I go and um but of course uh I think I would really love to win Marsalonga and I would really love to be the first woman who wins the Birke Banjelöpe uh, double polling. So I think maybe, and of course Vasaloppe, but I have so, <laughs> so bad experience in the last two years. So I, I don't know, um, but give me some years and I will try to win Vasaloppe as well. Basically, what you're saying is that you you uh, you want to win every race, yeah. but uh, not not this coming winter. <laughs> you'll you'll give it some time. Yeah. You know, eventually you'll conquer them all. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, when you think about ski classics now, and you've seen it, uh, uh, you know, for two years. Of course, both of these seasons been a bit exceptional, as we know, mm -hmm. due to the yeah, the pandemic, not the not the regular years or regular seasons uh the normal seasons uh, but what do you think about the uh the brand itself is there anything also coming from the traditional skiing is there anything you'd like to taking place or evolving or developing or are you happy with the tour and the brand as it is i'm really happy uh with the brand as it is, as it is but um I also think, but we see that this come upcoming season about the women's starts. I think I want to see some changes there, but I think because I, I think it would be much cooler for us women to to do our own races as much as it's possible. Um, just like we did in Mashalonga last year when we started five minutes after the men. Um, we kind of did our own race much more than we if we had started 10, 15, 20 minutes before the men's and just have to wait for the men and try to catch them up. Um, so I think, um, yeah, that is something that can be done um uh done different i think that's interesting so basically you uh i mean you tend to start except fast a little bit you know of course last year was a little bit different uh you always start 
a little bit before. Mm. I mean, but now what you're saying is that that's not enough. Mm. That either it should be a longer a period, uh, or a break or gap, uh, or you guys should start like you did at Manchalonga. And even uh, even uh, Orifes Lopez, you guys had pretty much your own race. It took a long time mm. for almost all the way to the finish yeah. uh, uh, for the guys to, or, or Oscar Cadin and then your Tele uh, to, to catch you guys. Mm. So that that is something, which is a good point. Uh, so you'd like to see more of, of that taking place, that the, the men, uh, you know, the, wouldn't really affect your race yeah. that much. Is that what, what you're saying? Because I think yeah. that gives... Um, yeah, the the viewers see it maybe a little different. I think it's for us to ski, it can be really cool to be catch up by the guys, and we try to 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 follow them. And it's yeah, it's really hard, but cool for us. But I don't. I think it's really boring to watch because you maybe see one or two ladies try uh, are able to catch. And to follow the guys and the gaps are like huge so you don't actually actually see see the others um but for example in Mashalonga this year i think we were about 10 girls when we uh, got to um uh the Valdefiemme stadium um so that was really cool to that we were so many so many girls so late in the race um yeah it is an interesting point because you you're right i mean that's the, certainly changes the kind of the strategy that you as a female skiers have mm. where whenever the guys you know catch you and then you try to draft some of them uh, instead of you having your own race where you will come up with a different kind of tactical moves uh, then so that's a good point. Anything else, or is that the kind of the only thing that you have in mind in terms of improving or altering, you know, Visma Ski Classics? I think that is, yeah, maybe the only thing I'm, I think I'm thinking about now. Uh, otherwise, I think, yeah, it's I love <laughs> Visma Ski Classic. I think I think it's really cool. So, yeah, nothing else but but that. Cool. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, I think we'll talk about training next. That'll be our next segment. Uh, so we'll get to sort of at 12 uh, or uh, take a dive into your training methods a little bit. So that'll be next for us. You talked about double polling earlier, and you also mentioned that you train with Astrid Eris Lind. But let's talk about your training a, a bit more. So how do you, and, I, and you also told us that you don't do, that double polling isn't just the only thing you do, that you still ha have a sort of a variety of, of you know, the training methods. But generally speaking, how do you tend to train? Uh, let's start from the kind of the summer training, over the summer. What are the kind of the building blocks? In summer, I... I think for me it's like really important to um, not take some time off uh, physically but mentally. Um, I think it's important for me to in the summer try to like have the have the uh, energy to do 
other things than just training. But I do a lot of training in the summer as well, but mostly easy training, long sessions and um, not so many hard intervals. Um, mostly because I think, yeah, it's important to not do the same amount and the same training all year long. Uh, but also for me, mentally to just okay this is the time that I can I don't know enjoy enjoy life a little bit more than uh, in the autumn and in the in the winter so in the summer I try to do other things than just training but I also I do I do a lot of training but most easy training what type I mean you said easy long sessions but what type is that running uh, roller skiing, cycling, or you do all of them? I try to mix uh, mix them up and do yeah, both uh, running and um, and uh, roller ski roller skiing. Um, I tried to, <laughs> to I I bought a bicycle uh, this summer and uh, was hoping to do a lot of long, easy rides on my on my bike, but I got injured and. Um, yeah, <laughs> I had to ju- just place my my bike in the garage and uh, and stop that. So mostly running and roller skiing in the summer. And roller skiing for you means uh, double poling, or do you do skating or diagonal striding as well? I do, yeah, both po- double poling and uh, striding and and um, and skating, uh, but. I do more double polling than skating, for example. Uh, so, yeah. But you still do skating. How much <laughs> do you do that? I mean, also over this over the winter, like percentage-wise, how how much of that do you do? It depends how much I'm training. If I do a lot of a block with a lot of training, I I skate a little bit more to just get the vo- volume up. Um, uh but my yeah if i if i do skate uh i i do it because i want want more hours in the uh so um but i think how many i don't do that much but maybe two one two two sessions a week with skating so it's not that much but it's a little bit i think it's more than maybe some others Quite a lot because there are uh, a lot of pro team athletes that don't do skating at all. Mm. You know, based on these interviews that I've, yeah. this podcast that I've, I've done. So some do, uh, some do even more because they like it and they have a kind of a skating background, mm. and some don't do that at all. So, um, but you mentioned the interval trainings, and of course, intensive trainings uh, sessions are needed. I mean, mm. the long distance. I mean, you you can do a lot of easy and and long. Uh, long sessions as well but you every once in a while you need to do the tough ones what do you i mean how do you do that do you believe are you like a a believer in plot training or do you do them sort of on a regular basis every week and particularly in the fall time when you're getting closer to the season if the summer is a time for you not to do them that that often but for example this fall how often do you do those I mean, I might, I might do some block training because I try to vary my or uh, switch up my weeks. Um, for example, I can have one week with a lot of training and I only do one interval session. Uh, but then I have 
another week that I have maybe three three interval sessions. So yeah, I try to switch it up and um, yeah. So I kind of do block training. Yeah, if you see it like that. The interval sessions then are what type of uh, intervals do you do? I mean, do I assume they vary as well? But are you do you tend to do longer ones or really short ones? And also, do you do speed training as well? I try to. I don't do like really long interval sessions. It's mostly between thirty and thirty minutes and maximum one hour so i don't i actually don't do really long interval sessions um and i uh speed training i try to do it in my long uh double polling sessions like for example three hours i do some sprint training in the end of the of the session and um yeah can you give us an example of that? Is like thirty second sprints or longer, shorter, and what's your recovery you time? Mix there? it up. Uh, um, it can be that I uh, are out on a long training session, and I, for example, just uh, decide that this is the start and this is the finish line, and and go from from there. Uh, so it can be from ten seconds to thirty seconds. But yeah, try to um, find myself a finish line and uh, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. And then what about the uh, intervals like three minute, like one kilometer fast or 10 minute intervals that a lot of people do? Do you tend to do those as well? Yeah, I can do, for example, so, uh, short, um, for example, five minutes, 10 times, for example. Um with short breaks uh, that I can do and I can do some mix it up and start with some longer intervals for example 10 minutes and uh, break it down to five minutes three minutes yeah so I I, I really try to mix it up because I think um, <laughs> good for the body not to do the exact amount of training exact uh, interval sessions uh, so yeah I have some standard intervals, but I'm not going to tell them. (laughs) (laughs) But let's talk about the five-minute ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you do those, I mean, you said 10 times five minutes. I assume you're not going to go all out, you know, I don't know if you do that many with a short break. How how long is the break then? A minute to... One minute, maybe. Yeah. Because that that is a really tough one when you do five ten times five minutes with a one-minute break. I assume it's it's more of a threshold. Yeah. Yeah, and and when you do um, not that long intervals, you can stay at a higher pace. But uh, when you get the breaks every yeah fifth minutes, you kind of like yeah you're able to to go in a high higher pace uh, than you were had be been able to do if you had done longer intervals. So that is the thought about doing shorter intervals but yeah many of them if that make any sense yes yes it does what about strength training do you do that and if you do what type and like in, in a gym yeah i try to do strength 
training for my goal is to do two two strength uh, sessions each week but i must admit this year trying to double pole a little bit more um i had to to break it down some weeks uh, and cut off some uh, strength sessions because i yeah has become a little too much on the over our body um but i also i i try to do two strength strength sessions each week but sometimes it can be one so yeah and i do i i lift i don't know how many reps do i lift five reps so it's yeah max maximum okay so you, you do that quite quite a lot then anything else that you want to say about your training and also how much kind of going back to when you did traditional skiing or standard uh, distances, how much has it changed from those days? Uh, or are the principles still kind of the same? I don't know. I think the biggest difference between how I train now and how I trained two years ago is probably how I think about myself and my limits, I think. I think I was much more... Um, yeah, I said much more. I was much, uh, how do you say it? I was, I think I'm like really not afraid getting tired now. Um, you said you can push yourself. Yeah, I can push myself. And for example, uh, this year I could, I could go out for a four hour long double polling session and I can come back and in the afternoon, I can just, oh, if I feel good, I can go out and run some intervals if I feel good. And that is a really tough day of training, five hours, including intervals in the evening. Uh, but I could never done anything like that um, two years ago or three years ago. So I think it's more mentally, I feel stronger. I think I'm, I respond really well on the double polling training. So I don't think I train that much more, but I think, yeah, in one way, I'm mentally more, more able to push harder on some days. So basically what you're saying is that you're not afraid of the workload and you're mentally uh, stronger. Yes. That you can go and do something that in the past might have might have felt like a little bit too much, but now it's like, hey, I can go and do it. Exactly. You said But of course, if, if that's the case, you still need to rest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, recover every once in a while. So how often do you, do you have like a weekly days off or do you take a day off whenever you feel you need it or? I, for me, I think it's really important uh, with the rest days. I, I said that I, um, I train for, to do my rest <laughs> i love to train but i also love to rest uh so i i don't know um i think i can have like three to five rest days in a month so i can take two rest days in a row if i feel tired and yeah for me i think it's really important with days totally off training just waking up not thinking not thinking of training that is for me important to continue the work and yeah staying healthy not get not getting injured and stuff like that 
What about uh, what they call like active rest, meaning that you go out and do something, uh, but it's still a bit of a recovery that, oh, you do something different, uh, but you still do something. <laughs> yeah, you, you for I, uh, I think what I love most about uh, skiing is to be outside. So I love to be outside, but I don't, I don't need like, a, I don't need to have a plan on my rest days it can be just for example in the summer go go out and go swimming go yeah do stuff with my friends it doesn't have to be anything uh, specific just yeah be outside whatever you can do outside it's good for me <laughs> so before we leave this subject where the training uh, is there anything you want to say to the people listening to this? Uh, like the, um, you know, they wouldn't really call them recreational skiers, but uh, skiers out there uh, thinking about participating in, in Visma Ski Classic Races, serious skiers. Anything you want to say about training? Any, any advice or tips that you'd like to give them, uh, at least for, uh, from a perspective they should avoid is are there any like traps that they should avoid in terms of training i think it's important to just to take some <laughs> days off training if you're not feeling good it's it's uh, easy to to continue put to push if you are feeling tired or you are injured and or you are sick or something like that it's um i think in my training work, I think, for example, for me, it's important to train well when I when I train and rest well when I rest, and uh, I think that is important for for everyone. In the longer run, that I think that is important to train well when you're training, and but remember to rest as well. What about nutrition, by the way? I mean, is that important? Do you do you pay attention to that? Meaning what you eat and yeah, that that has changed a lot after switching to long distance and yeah, my doing my races in Wisma. Um, for me, it's really important to to eat and uh, while uh, while I do do my long training sessions, and I think I recover so much better if I. If I'm uh, strict uh, to like eating uh, and um, drinking enough, so uh, yeah, for me that is really important, and I think about that every session I do. That uh, that is important for my recovery. Eating what exactly? I mean, of course, you need carbs, but you also need protein. I mostly eat gels and um, and bars, but. I think it's not that important what you you eat while training. Just get some energy. Yeah. Sometimes it just can be what I have uh, have at home. Uh, I was uh, training with some girls this summer, and I was um, eating uh, while we were training, and they were like, "Oh, what are you eating? That that looks so exciting." I was like, "Oh, it's just some marzipan that I." <laughs> found some leftovers from Christmas so they are like what oh yeah that's fine some energy works for me (laughs) 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, of course because their workload is so so heavy. So you have to um, make sure that you have energy in your system. Mm-hmm. I think that is really important. Good. I mean, uh, let's move on. Uh, the next and the last segment of our uh, podcast will be the uh, kind of you know what I tend to call the up close and personal one, where we talk about you as a person and kind of your background and 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 your family and and kind of your future perspectives and hopes so let's get ready for that let's start with your childhood going all the way back there i mean when did skiing become part of you or was it there like were you born within so the first years i lived in Tromsø until i was six years um and there of course you live in a in a city that it's uh, really good winter, so skiing was, yeah, of course, a part of my life uh, from the start. And and then when I was six, we moved to Hemsedal, it's a little place, kind of in the mountains. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think I was just, it was just meant to be for me to to ski. Uh, but not none of my parents are like cross country skiers, so that was a little random, maybe that I started with that. But it was a small community, and yeah, was not many that uh, did practice or did cross country skiing. But um, yeah, it was a an environment that um, was um, it's meant to be for. Uh, cross-country skiing so yeah I grew up with uh, good winter conditions and I think that is the main reason why I started skiing and when did you start racing uh, when I was about I don't know uh, 10 years maybe yeah and how, how did it feel to do your first race <laughs> I think it's, uh, I remember my first race I think it was really cool because I I got some new glows, so I think that was yeah cool. Uh, but I remember coming to the stadium, seeing these other girls with their race suits, and I was just yeah had some baggy pants and <laughs> over yeah jackets. It was a little bit too big, but um, I think it was cool. I don't remember much more about that, but. Uh, and I don't think I was that serious when I was young. I just did it for fun and had friends that also raced. And yeah, I think it was cool. Uh, and when I got a little bit older, it got a little bit more serious. But I think still then it was cool to race. But I think I wasn't that um, professional. And I didn't see myself like, oh, I'm becoming the best skier in the world when I was was young I just did it for fun and had good friends that also skied and yeah enjoyed going on trainings and ski races but it must have become quite serious at some point so when did that happen when you started to realize that this is really the direction I'm, I think, I'm heading towards yeah, maybe when I was 17 I Felt like okay, this is. I took it to another level. Yeah, trying to be 
more serious and uh, uh, yeah, moved to Lillehammer after high school and tried to yeah become a better skier. And how was Lillehammer, by the way? I just got back from there. <laughs> how was that to live as as a young uh, skier? That was really good, um, but also at the same time, um, I was struggling a lot about um, uh, with my eating disorders. So that is done a huge impact in my on my skiing career because I use a lot of time recover from that sickness um, but also that has been my motivation all the time to become a skier after my becoming after my sickness and I, I really want to be that was my motivation to be a skier that it's not struggling with eating disorders and yeah, a strong skier and a skier that is um, loving life. And I did not do that. The years I lived in um, Lillehammer in my early twenties. So yeah, but um, so yes. How, how did you overcome the, you know, that, that condition? Oh, that was a lot of work and, um, I had really good help from a psychologist and uh, yeah, but I was some years with a lot of work, uh, but um, I think the most important thing for me was just to find, find some motivation to get well and um, find a way uh, of living where you can, um, enjoy life to be honest and not have the focus on yeah how you look basically and then going back to the, the kind of the school days i mean we talked about your skiing mm. uh but what do you recall or what do you remember from from those days and did you like school or were you a good student yeah, I think I I think I was a good student and I really liked school so I I always have had really good friends and good teachers and yeah, I looking back uh, at that time I really enjoyed it. So yeah, nothing bad to say about that. I like lots of any favorite subjects that you Oh that is oh maybe I don't know. I'm. I kind of liked it all. So, not not any favorite subjects. I think. Is there anything you didn't like about school? Not not to be. I know. I I just liked it. I, You're a rare yeah. student. I mean, usually people have a, a lot of bad memories too. You know. I mean. No, I looking back, I have no bad memories. To be honest, I liked school as a nerd. And then um, what about your family, father, mother, so forth? Uh, can you tell us about them a little bit? And yeah. So my father lives in Hemsdal and my mother lives in Gould. That is about 30 minutes driving between those places. So I grew up with, yeah, living two places um, with my two siblings, both younger. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so both my 
parents are really active and so yeah I think I have that from my childhood that I like to be outside because I was forced to be outside uh, by both of them so um, but basically that is my childhood growing up in uh, both Gule and Hemstal um, in two places uh, of course it's not uh, everything that is uh, perfect with that but um, yeah I think uh, both Gule and Hemstal are really good places to grow up and what about Christmas? Christmas is coming up. Usually, a lot of people have fun memories of of, of Christmases and any special, you know, Christmas or Christmases that you have or you can recall. So the thing is, the or in my childhood, um, I I don't have any fun memories. Uh, and the last Christmas, I I haven't. Last Christmas, I was just here in Trondheim with <laughs> with Andrew, and this Christmas, I ain't going home this year either. So I think if you ask my mom how her Christmas memories the last years are, she would say that she's missing me. So uh, yeah, that is uh, you know Christmas. I'm just uh, afraid to go home and get sick. So. Yeah, trying to stay away and uh, yeah, taking it taking it easy. Yeah, maybe we should do a podcast with your mother, and maybe <laughs> she can tell us some stories about your childhood, yeah. and some funny, uh, happy, happy Christmases. But you mentioned Andrew. Uh, how did you guys meet? What's the story there? Uh, we met when we both lived in Lillehammer, um, so we met at the training center. I. Um, talked to him first, and um, we met on some some races, and it was me uh, who talked to him first. So, so you did all the work. Yeah, I did all the work. He <laughs> did nothing. <laughs> was it love at first sight from your side? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know if it was for him though, but but uh, yeah, for me it was. I was just seeing him and went for it so about his personality is he uh, like half now because he's practically half norwegian mm-hmm. half a brit but which personality is the kind of the dominant one? Oh, that is most and he's very positive i think and yeah he's uh he's not really he's not afraid of pushing himself and uh i know really positive i think that is the main main thing so what have you learned from him is there anything <laughs> trying, uh, yeah, trying to be more positive and yeah uh yeah to be honest trying to be more positive i i must admit that i'm not the most positive <laughs> person ever uh so trying to learn a little bit from andrew um but you sound very happy and positive. <laughs> so, are you saying? Are you telling me that you're a bit skeptical and negative you sometimes? Know, I've, you know, I've been together with Andrew for nine and a half years, so maybe I've, I've become more positive through the years. So, yeah, th- thanks, th- thanks to him. You're rubbing off of him <laughs> that positivity. Yeah. 
Uh, that's good. What, what things do you guys do? I mean, besides skiing, of course, you both ski so much, but you got to have some time off every once in a while. So what? how do you kill time? What are your hobbies outside of skiing? Oh, we just love to go do adventures outside, go snowboarding and go yeah, downhill skiing, touring. Yeah, live life outside, I think, outdoor life. Uh, so, yeah, that is our hobbies, I think. So always outdoors. Yeah. Do you outdoors. ever do anything, <laughs> anything quiet, peaceful <laughs> inside? <laughs> like what's Netflix, for example? Or, yeah. But you know, this, cook a good yeah. dinner. Yeah. Andrew's really good at um, making, uh, cook, cooking. So he's, yeah, a really good chef. So maybe that is my hobby to eat Andrew's food. He is cooking and I'm I'm eating. That that is what we do in our spare time. So, what is your favorite uh, dish of his? You know, the the meal. Ooh, it might be. Oh my! What is your favorite? Maybe the curry he makes. That is really good. That sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. How are you guys going to spend? You know, the holiday season. So hopefully we are spending it together and hopefully I think we're going um, someplace. Uh, he's preparing for uh, the tour de ski and I am uh, preparing for the for my races. So uh, I hope uh, we can be able to travel um, to St. Moritz uh, when we're uh, spending our holidays. But... Um, yeah, we'll see with the coronavirus spreading all over again. So, yeah, we'll see. But the plan is to go together uh, in uh, St. Moritz to stay there uh, in the holidays. Well, that sounds nice. It's a great place uh, for, for anything, for skiing, mm -hmm. for, for holiday and so forth. Uh, speaking of Christmas or Christmases, um, what does that or the holiday that really mean to you or represent? Oh, I I'm I don't have any so many traditions. I just what I like about Christmas is I don't know spending time with the one you love and yeah, it can be a really beautiful time of the year when beautiful days outside, uh, skiing and a lot of lights and I don't know uh, good food and relaxing i think that is what christmas means for me skiing good food family friends just spending time together i think that is the most important for me the special atmosphere yeah of, it of is. christmas so, uh, then about your future of course you mentioned that you'll be skiing for years to come and you want to win all the races mm -hmm. eventually but of course there will be a day when you retire from skiing, at least from uh, active racing, have you uh, thought about it? Yes. Uh, and if so, what do you want to do? I really want to study psychology and work as a psychologist. Um, that is my my um, my dream to do after after I finish uh, skiing. So um, hopefully, I'm going to be able to do that. Uh, because I would love to uh, work with people and uh, yeah, uh, 
after my 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 struggle with eating disorder i think it would um uh, maybe really be really cool to work in in that field and yeah that is my dream to study psychology and uh, work as a psychologist have you started that or have you taken any steps to, uh, towards that i started uh, but i haven't come uh, so uh, far uh, yet uh, but i've started um but uh, i'm only on my first year so uh i'm a little bit slow i was thinking about doing it yeah in a faster speed but then i just fell in love with the long races and i really want to become a really good skier and um, um then i think i for me it's the best to not study too much and i think i will yeah continue to study after i retire so what else do you want from a life besides winning all the Visma Ski Classic st- stages and becoming a, a, a professional in psychology? Oh, what more do you want? Just live a, a happy life, I guess. Uh, I haven't thought. No, I don't know. Do what? What about having kids? Hopefully I can have, but you never know. But um, of course I want kids. Um Hopefully, Andrew also wants it. So, yeah. Well, you guys haven't talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it a little, but we're not, we're not like have a plan, or we're not feeling ready for that yet. So, uh, uh, I don't know. It's in our thoughts, but very far away, very far away. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I think, I don't like to like to uh, spend much time thinking uh, of the future or like way into the future. I like, I try to focus on here and now. And of course I have some plans (laughs) in my future, but yeah, Uh, I try to live here and now and do the best out of it. That is a good take on life. You know, that's a good strategy to, <laughs> yeah. to you know, to, to move forward, and not to think, think too much about the future and here and now. I like that here and here and now uh, attitude and and a philosophy. So, uh, but before we uh, wrap up, you seem to be quite positive, even if you say that you're not. <laughs> I think you are. Uh, but what's kind of your, wouldn't we call it motto, but uh, of of life or something that? How would you sum up the importance of life? for for you yeah it's important i think it's really important to trust yourself and do the do the things that is important for you and um yeah trust yourself it's it's my it's uh, what's important for me i guess that is a good motto mm-hmm. you know trust yourself wise words <laughs> indeed uh, thank you very much emilia emilia fletten and let's hope that you'll get your victory uh, this coming uh, winter maybe not all of them yet, but you know, at least one first, one Vismaski uh, Classic State uh, victory. Uh, and of course, good luck uh, with your racing and skiing and Usha. You know, the, the prologue races are coming up soon. So of course, that's uh, the, the first kind of aim or goal for you. But once again, thank you very much 
for being part of this uh, our podcast Ushata Levy thank you and the audience uh, you guys out there listening to Ushata Levy uh, stay tuned for more episodes to come and as always you can write us uh, your feedback comments ideas things like that and that address is podcast at wsportsmedia.com once again podcast at wsportsmedia.com and as I've said so many times uh, on this podcast you know the season is starting very soon so uh, stay tuned for that get ready for an exciting winter I'll thank you and I'll say goodbye this podcast is a W Sports Media production